And welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 30 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pina. And we're here to talk to you about movies, music, TV, and more. We'll start off with the news, a little bit of tech news this week. Uh, Microsoft has announced that Internet Explorer will officially cease operations and re uh, quit getting updates as of June 15th, 2022. I realize the visuals are now dead, but... Uh... For everyone who's listening, just drop a fucking Jennifer Lawrence in the Hunger Games kiss of R.I.P. It's three fingers. John's doing two Whatever, fingers. Whatever, dude. Getting that Whatever. Wrong. Just... <laughs> Whatever, dude. Okay. Need that on record. I mean, I kind of thought Explorer had been dead. The only time it literally ever opens up on my computer is when one of those godforsaken links that, like, doesn't recognize whatever file type tries to open up and it auto opens with internet explorer and it's like did you want to go and i'm like no internet explorer shut the fuck up go back to your cave yeah uh well i mean ever since edge came out right edge came out yep. four years ago or so and that's their literal replacement product so yeah i have no clue why it's even all around i i, I it just, does open every once in a while see i assumed that every time you open explorer it would just take you to edge now but i guess that's not the case until june 15th next year uh you got one more year guys all you explorer <coughs> explorer diehards out there back to the uh, movies and TV. Yeah, movies. all those people <laughs> yeah those guys holding it out who don't like chrome they don't like mozilla you know i mean I, chrome takes up too much of my ram you it know does. what i'm saying it's, okay it's, it's, it too does. it's a serious problem on old computers like mine chrome takes way too much Mozilla doesn't really have the functionality of bookmarking that I like, and Edge really just is the perfect mix of all three. The only problem is the name, Internet Explorer, RIP. Explorers for life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, movie TV news. Disney Plus has hit 103 million subscribers. I think just a month and a half ago, we talked about how they had hit 80. So, disgusting. There's another chunk for you. That's worldwide subscribers, not American. So it's not like half the American population, but still probably a big chunk of people. I guess this is in due to or due to Loki show, the Winter Soldier show, and WandaVision, all that stuff. That Bad Batch show. Is is Disney Plus ten dollars a month? I think it's eight. Might be cheaper than ten. I think it's somewhat cheaper for some reason. Something's telling me that. Huh. But yeah. Well, uh, they're I've... almost at a billion dollars a month. Right. Subscription <laughs> revenue, so. I mean, I, I assume they're pretty happy with their decisions over the past few years to pivot towards all this. It seems to be working out pretty well for them. I can only Literal, imagine... I can't stress that. A billion dollars a month. Yes. From subscription fees alone, not from people doing their fucking, hey, by the way, we released a movie that's in theaters, but you could pay 40 bucks and watch it from your house. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's on top of that. So, they're making and bank these days. They, they bundle it with ESPN and Hulu, right? You can pay for, like, the triple package. Yeah, there's a separate one, yeah. So, that doesn't even include those people, you know? Well, They're technically know. paying less, right? But yeah. they've actually given an injection of, like, 100 and five bucks as opposed to eight so that, that's how they get you that's how they get all the money from you uh well recently disney talked about the new black widow movie and how it's going to be a premiere access that 30 dollar thing 
and it's going to come into theaters. So hmm. they're just trying to make the best of it, I guess. Just making money somehow. I really assume, or I assume that they assume they'll make a, or they won't make that much money off Black Widow. I mean, probably not. Yeah, the, I mean, the timing's just wrong. They've had it in the vault for like a year and a half now, just sitting there, all done. But we'll see about that this summer. Okay, uh, Amazon is reportedly in talks to buy MGM Studios for $9 billion. Uh, MGM... Citizen Kane's a great movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that from uh, Mank? They're like at MGM? Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah, but did they finance it? I like I don't even know how that actually turned out. I'm not sure if they financed it. I have no clue. I have no clue. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't really know a ton of MGM stuff other than James Bond. Really, I'd say that's their big ticket item. And nine billion dollars is not petty change by any means. Amazon has been trying to get more originals lately. I mean, the last year they've. Kind of hit the brakes, it seems, compared to, I don't know, three or four years ago when they had six or seven big-name series coming to the show, or big-name series in air quotes, when they had that uh, Good Omens and Hannah and when the boys first started, you know, it, it seemed like they were ramping up their originals compared to now. Um, yeah. I guess this is just trying to get that library just a little bit bigger. Maybe save money on originals. That way you don't have to produce your own things. You can just put MGM Library on Prime. There you go. All right. Uh, another talks of a acquisition or a merger. I was kind of confused by this. So AT&T is splitting up with their Warner Media division. And that's HBO, you know, cable, all that. So they're splitting mm-hmm. up with that. And I don't know if they're selling it off. Or Warner Media is now buying Discovery. But whatever it is, the price tag is $43 billion. And the end result will be Warner Media merging with Discovery. Is so money real anymore? One big company. Is money real? No. No. No, it's not. $43 billion. Who does that mean anything to? AT&T? I don't know. Like, like, why did they choose 40? I'm sure someone did the math, obviously. I'm sure many people did the math. But it's like, is 45 billion different than 43 billion? Or 40 billion different than 43 billion? And of course, the answer is yes. But like, is Discover like, no, anything less than 43 billion and you don't got a fucking deal. 42 billion, that's insulting. It's like, wait. It's I... just, it's such an egregious amount of money that, like, I'm sure two thirds of their employees will never see. I'm just curious, like, who does that buy out? Like, how does that even work? You just go buy a small fucking, I don't know, Caribbean country with that money? Like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly how it works. <laughs> they just, all the people who make that money off this contract, they go buy Caribbean countries and they start their own nation, you know, make their own rules for corporations. They get no taxes. It's all, yeah, it's all tax, tax haven. Yeah. Tax haven islands. <laughs> But I see. I don't know how this deal is going to affect HBO Max and Discovery Plus. Will they just become one new HBO Max, or is it just going to be the classic Disney bundle? You know, that. <laughs> Hulu, ESPN, Disney that. Plus. Yeah, I assume so. 
it's just kind of weird that this would happen after they just AT&T quite literally just made Warner Media maybe a year ago. Uh, you know, they've had their entertainment divisions after they bought out Warner. But they've had all those for years, but they just made Warner Media maybe a year ago, and so maybe that was in preparation for selling it off. Um, I guess that makes sense. If so, it's still kind of weird. Just like tie it up in a little bow, gift wrap it, and then they're like, "All right, here's your thing. Someone give me money." Yeah, I'd say that's probably a lot easier than selling a division of your own company. All right, some more HBO Max news. Uh, this is kind of an update to some previous news. I think it was a few weeks ago. I talked about how Dune. And or Dune might not be a part of that whole coming to HBO Max same right. day release because Legendary hadn't come to an agreement with Warner. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Legendary has come to an agreement. Figured it and, out. Yep. Yeah, figure the shit out. Yep, uh, Dune's coming to HBO Max first day, so we'll be seeing nice. that in August or September. Pretty sure. Uh, another HBO Max news we have a new batman the animated series show not sure if it's going to be a reboot uh it's going to be called batman the caped crusader it is going to be produced by bruce tim jj abrams and matt reeves uh bruce tim is the producer of the original batman the animated series matt reeves is the director and producer for the upcoming the batman and jj abrams just likes warner bros yeah, J.J. Abrams is just a fan. He, he just throws money at literally whatever he wants, and people accept it, you know? I, I don't think companies really turn him down. He's like, you know, I kind of wanted to produce this Batman show. And they're like, oh, okay, J.J. Abrams, he can do that. He did Star Wars, okay? All right, uh, you know what? We're just keeping the HBO Max train rolling. They have announced their first Harry Potter show will be a quiz game show. Uh, Yeah, so Warner has been trying to make... Like a reality TV show where contestants come on and answer quiz questions about Harry Potter. Yep. Yep. So Warner has Cool, (laughs) dude! Cool! (laughs) How exciting and fun and innovative. Warner has been trying to make original Harry Potter shows for the last bit. Uh, I think news has been spreading around ever since HBO Max came out. This is confirmed to be the first one. It's not exactly what we all expected, but not exactly surprising either. It makes sense. You don't. You literally don't have to make anything for this show. You just have to make a stupid set with Harry Potter themed stuff and just get some random people, super fans from the streets. Probably the cheapest way to go about a Harry Potter TV show. Uh, <sighs> Yes. It's always sunny to do a spin-off quiz game show, and then one of our friends can be a fucking participant after last night. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just, why Harry Potter? Why Harry Potter? I just don't get it. Because it makes money? A lot of it, still, to this day, probably. And the spin-offs are still coming out? But this, isn't even, this is hardly a fucking spin-off or show. This is like... I'm saying Fantastic I, Beasts is still a series, still coming out. I know, I know. I'm saying... For the first show to be a yeah. quiz show, yeah, feels yeah like literally the worst possible choice because it won't do well. It might do well for its budget, yeah. But how popular are quiz shows? Period. You know what I mean? We were just talking the other day about 
all those fucking dumb Jamie Foxx hosted ones and like, you know, can you sing along to a song while I play the beat? And it's just the top 50 radio songs. It's like yeah. sponsored by All Heart Radio. Like, it's just like how many sponsors can we sell and how little can we pay production? Yes. Cool. Sign me up. And so this is going to be that, but for Harry Potter, and you just go like, it's not going to like kill the fucking ratings. You know what I mean? Not everyone's going to be interested in watching it. And so the people who do watch it might stand it because Harry Potter things. But like, unless you come out with new content, you're going to run out of questions to ask on a quiz show based on seven movies. <laughs> you know? I mean, you could always do the books and you could do the spinoffs. There's enough, I guess. I mean, John, John yes. we we had, or I say we as in America, had a Bible quiz show on ABC not too long ago. So the Bible can Bible's do it. Different. I'm pretty sure Harry Potter can do it. <laughs> The Bible's been around for a long ass time, it's one and book, people you know? dedicate their but people dedicate their entire lives to memorizing every word. Oh, you don't think there's Harry Potter fans out there? That don't. No, because not every word is taken as the literal word of God. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's times Ron goes, "What's up, guys?" and people don't remember Ron saying, "What's up, guys?" You just wouldn't know. You know, you're clearly everyone not knows this fucking. You just say, "Goddamn." I don't even know Ezekiel twenty three twenty, and you go, oh yeah. I I still argue that there's plenty of material for a quiz show. I mean, what you know, ten episodes, and then there's probably gonna be I don't know, maybe ten or fifteen questions an episode. That's not that. I'll much. only allow it if it goes straight to Netflix. It's straight to HBO Max. Oh, it's not terrible. Yeah, that's why I said uh, we're keeping the HBO Max train rolling. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, this will be. I HBO heard the Cartoon Network, Network part of that, but I didn't understand that that was part of the HBO thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, moving on to yet another HBO Max piece of news. They have HBO an... Max sponsor us. They have announced a <laughs> a new DC Comics animated movie based on the Injustice property. Uh, Injustice is a popular-ish video game series, fighting game series that pits the DC universe characters against each other. Um, alternate timeline, different stories, yada yada. Super Superman kills Joker. There's some cool stuff in Classic. Injustice. Classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're getting an animated movie. I'm pretty hyped about this. DC animation kind of blows, honestly, but I'm still gonna watch it. Because... I, I can't help myself. I, I try not to. I really do. And I'm usually disappointed. Alright, uh, the last piece of... No, wait, not the last piece of HBO Max news. Alright, this is just an HBO Max podcast now. Okay, uh, Adult Swim, actually, has announced that they are creating three spinoffs to three of their shows. Uh, the spinoffs... Sorry, the shows being Rick and Morty, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and The Heart She Hollered. These, uh. these three spinoffs are going to be short formats. It's going to be like 10-minute episodes. And there's a lot more info on them, but I wasn't going to go through all three plot synopses right now. So, is it in-universe Rick and Morty, or is it literal Rick and Morty for 10-minute episode, 10 episodes? No, it's, it's, a, it's another character. Some, okay. 
I'm fine with that. I think some character from the last season I don't watch, so I can't really. You should watch it. it. The last season's pretty good. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. Okay, uh, now the last piece of HBO Max news. So the Friends reunion has been confirmed as happening. Uh, yeah, woo, no one cares. But they do have a crazy list of guests. I, I'm just amazed at this more than anything. But I'll, I'll read them off to you. Uh, we got BTS, Lady Gaga, David Beckham, Justin Bieber, James Corden, Cindy Crawford, Cara Delevingne, Elliot Gould, Kit Harrington, Larry Hankin, who's Larry Hankin, Mindy Colling, uh, Thomas Lennon, Christina Pickles, Tom Selleck, James Michael Tyler, Maggie Wheeler, Reese Witherspoon, and Mulala Yousafzai. Yousafzai? Sure. Mulala. Um, that just seems like a little overkill. Is that you know you know what it is? I figured it out. There's one name that doesn't stand out more than the others, but that makes this group of people make sense. Hmm. They went to every late night talk show host and said, "Hey, can we get all your guests from this year?" <laughs> and so James Corden <laughs> just got all the fucking people who did interviews on his show to go to a friends reunion because they were his friends. Smile. Wholesome. Yeah, I, I, re- I really doubt I'm even going to watch it. Unless I I'm watch this to talk about it for this podcast specifically. Um, I just don't care about these people. Or the fact that they're I a part of the I couldn't tell you two people, two characters' names from Friends. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to list character names as if you'll know. So I'm not even going to try. Chandler and Monica? Come on, dude. You can't even... All right. The classic. The duo. <laughs> the couple of couples, I'm sure. Okay. It, yeah, it, it just seems... I don't know what the word for it is. Uh, egregious? When yeah, you that's have, excessive. Yeah, when you that's have excessive. David Beckham, Justin Bieber, Lady Gaga, and BTS, and any one thing? Well, I mean, so are they all cameos? I or are they all yeah. acting? Because I don't know. Like, you can't have David Beckham and Lady Gaga play two characters. You know what I mean? Like, maybe one of them could pretend to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just a person in this fucking Oh, well, see, I don't know if the reunion set. special has a plot. I think it's just kind of like... Just all ad-lib freestyle, sit around <laughs> the table, muck about, classic. I, I really think it's kind of... It's one of... They just, they just get content. catering. They just get catering, and it's a fucking uh, mukbang, <laughs> and they just make it for YouTube. <laughs> I mean, hey, just a, a mukbang ASMR with all eating. these people, that'd probably get billions of views instantly. It would, but it's also cringe. Yeah, no, I, I don't right. think this reunion has a plot line per se. I think it's just they're going to talk about the show, jack off each other about being on the show, you know, simple stuff like that. Yeah, classic. A little Dutch rudder action going on. Exactly. You get it. You get it. Yeah, Chandler and Monica, like I said. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to some finally non-HBO Max news. News has it that Attack the Block 2 is coming out. Uh, it is going to reunite original star John Boyega with original director Joe Cornish. I cool. have not seen this movie, so I cannot Maybe attest either. to any quality or any sort of reverence but i know it's i'd argue it's a modern cult hit i don't want to say cult yeah. classic you know give it a few more years right. it might be a modern yeah. cult classic but I'd it's like tw- 2010 2011 something like that 
Something like that, yeah. That sounds about right. Um, so, I mean, it's been like 11, 10 years. It definitely has um, its following. There's definitely just a group of people who swear by it, just up and down. So, might as well talk about it. All right. Uh, so, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> funnily enough, this is actually HBO Max News. So, a couple Classic. weeks ago, we talked about how the new Batgirl movie lost Joss Whedon as its director and stuff because it didn't lose him. Yeah. It fired him. Right. <laughs> it right. got rid of him. Well, they have found a replacement in, I am going to butcher these names. So I apologize. Uh, in the pair, Adil El Arby and Bilal Falah. Uh, they're going to direct the next Batgirl movie that comes out. Well, it's was supposed to come out this year. But uh, it did not. So I actually have no idea when this is supposed to come out. I'm not too familiar with this couple of directors' works. Uh, John, could you actually... They directed Bad Boys for Life. Oh, okay. Gangsta. Which I'd never heard of. Uh, Black, which is a Belgian crime film. Uh, and some movie called Image, uh, but they are also doing Beverly Hills Cop Four and Batgirl. Wow. Okay. Uh, busy schedule. What a weird, weird oh, schedule. They also did two episodes of Miss Marvel. The show that has yet to come out. Correct. Gotcha. And two episodes of a show called Snowfall. That's the FX, FX show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Cocaine. I think. Crack epidemic, first off, oh, thank about you. Crack cocaine, sorry. <laughs> well, if it's a police based show, you call it the crack epidemic. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's the crack epidemic, you know. Uh, yeah, okay, so on to regular news, I guess. Yeah, back to back to reality. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what, psych, gonna go back for a second. I read that a story where Joss Whedon threatened Gal Gadot's uh, career on the set of Justice League. Uh, so it was just a story, right? And just rumors. But Gal Gadot pretty much confirmed it. And was like, yeah, he said some things. <laughs> uh, nice. it's, it's just pretty fucking funny that Joss Whedon was way up on people's uh, list of favorite creators or, you know... I don't know, nerd right, just people creators, to, people right, who make yep. things for geeks and nerds, and now he's not so much, and it's just kind of, I don't know, it, it, it's it's really kind of funny, because this man's obviously not just instantly became this asshole, you know, so it's had to have been a problem, right? It's not just, oh, one day he wanted to threaten this one actress's work, like, there's no way that's a one-time occurrence. So that's right. great that it, he's just been doing this for probably 20 years. Just cool, cool stuff. Okay, now moving on. Uh, Netflix has announced that Arnold Schwarzenegger will star in a new spy series. We do not have a title, but the plot line is as follows. A man and his daughter figure out they are both working for the CIA. I didn't have to write that one down. I just remembered how fucking stupid that is. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, they didn't know they're both working for the CIA, but now they do. So um, it's kind of like true crime, but not. And also just the fact that it's literally an intelligence agency and yep. XD. Yep. <laughs> All right, Next. and with the last piece of news, turns out the director and writer of Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell, or Fennell, not sure where that... Uh, emphasis is has written the latest draft for the nemesis movie uh nemesis is a mark miller created character i believe it was published under marvel when it came out but i think mark miller owns the rights we talked about mark miller last week about all of his netflix stuff going on mm -hmm. so i mm -hmm. don't know if this is specifically a part of that deal i just want to talk about it because she obviously can write and direct you know, so her doing a movie about a supervillain who goes like extreme supervillain and he, I, I'm pretty sure he goes crazy and kill, he kills Congress, I think. Like, he kills a lot of Congress. Like, it's a very extreme supervillain. I think that like sets up the plot, if you believe me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he goes extreme supervillain. So, just her doing that plus a cool, gritty superhero slash villain i'm in you know i i can't help myself but uh, that's the last piece of movie or tv news do you want to get to the albums of the week sure 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 so <clears throat> starting with uh some of the meme -y ones that i don't care about but are popular enough to mention uh blake shelton's got his fucking 20 millionth album fucking nashville we're the, superstar we're the biggest blake shelton fans ever just gross uh but you know if that's your if that's your music choice just that's fine just don't talk to me like I'm cool <laughs> I was that. Say, you literally <laughs> just say gross <laughs> like you know it's what it's one thing i don't i don't mind it's just don't talk to me um we also have mannequin pussy uh indie rock band you might be familiar with just because dumb name but yeah. also funny um and last but not least for the should mention but not interesting pink uh i just i she's one of these people she turned maybe we'll say 38 to 42 and she's stayed there forever oh. <laughs> and it's still like too old for me to be like this icon of i don't even know what you call it but it's like anti-pop kind of is what probably people will call it now, but pop, she wasn't that right. back then. She was just pop back then, but yeah. it's very much like not. She turned it into what contemporary pop became. So, I mean, she's clearly like a forerunner in that genre, but she was definitely different for the time. And then it just became so samey. Um, either way, how many albums can you make before people just say stop? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, don't you just run out of interesting no, ideas and sounds? No. Look up Dolly Parton right now. Go to Dolly <laughs> yeah. Parton's Spotify, and I tell, I feel I'm like, telling you. I feel like that encapsulates exactly what I'm talking about, though. It does. Not that people aren't interested. I'm just saying, as a creator, don't you go, meh. No, because it no. makes money. Nope. <laughs> like, if it's making money, I, you know, I, I think that's all the creative uh, justification yeah, you need. or motivation. That, that's all you need. All right, well, starting with things I will be interested in, uh, because that's all that's important here. Uh, Lord Huron, uh, indie, I think it's a band. It's not just like a dude, but um, indie rock 
group, uh, we'll say, has a new album coming out called they, they Long Lost. A, um, how old are they? How old are they? Like, are they pretty uh, old? enough, like 2010s-ish? 2011? I feel like they did a... Uh... They at least have one song I know you know, because it was, like, it kind of blew up for them, and that's how they kind of got popular. Um, I think they did, like, a video game trailer song one time, way back when. I'm not sure, though. Like, Assassin's Creed be... or something weird. That could be true. I might look that up later, but... Oh! They have a song that is, like, the outro on Shameless for a season, I think. Nah, I might be thinking of something else. I don't know. doesn't matter. They're a good band. Probably going to be a decent album. Um, 21 Pilots has a new album, which, you know, 21 Pilots are what they are, but I quite like a few of their songs, and they haven't made music in, I don't think, forever, so I'll be interested in hearing what's coming out. Because they had that, I think the last thing they did was Trench, I think? I don't know the names. But... Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, didn't they just it's not put, that. I mean, didn't they just put an album out? Like, I don't want to say just, but wasn't that four years ago? Wait, so I'm saying that so they had Blurry Face, which is like the big one that everyone knew and it got super popular, and then Trench was that thing sometime between 2018 and 2019, oh. 2020 yeah, maybe yeah, late one. or early 2020, and then they have this one. So oh, well, I missed that one. Um, regardless, should be interesting. Uh. At the very least, something to shit on because they could have gone the exact wrong way from what their initial sound was, which will be And then finally, the one I'm actually most excited for because she has just two for two on her singles uh, leading up to it. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo is releasing her album tomorrow, tonight, midnight, whatever. Um, who's that? Got blown up from TikTok driver's license song and also a song from this week's uh playlist i have called good for you um she hasn't missed for me just bangers non-stop and album's called sour comes out tonight so i'm really interested and yeah i think she's like 17 which is just crazy this is like lord taylor swift levels of superstardom yeah i know i'm just that's what i'm getting at um so yeah it'll be interesting uh and that's i think it as far as music goes Okay, you want to move on to uh, highlights of your week? Sure. Uh, I'll start this week, because I think you started every other week uh, for the last few. So, um, What's it matter? I, I really... No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, <laughs> um, but I did want to check on something. Uh, yeah, so we, we were talking about it last week, the uh, 21 Savage Spiral thing, Book of Saw. And there are... Like, or there is, like, a full, I don't know, EP. It's, like, four songs uh, from Spiral that's listed under 21 Savage's, uh, like, artist page on Spotify. I don't know that he's on all the songs. I think he's on two of them. But I, I guess it means he's worked on some of them or maybe produced on some of them. I don't really know what his credits are on them, but they're definitely featured as his songs on his Spotify page, which is weird. Um, but I I haven't listened to him yet. I was going to listen to him next week because I had only remembered it like two days ago. I was like, eh. But it was worth mentioning because I wanted it to be like, it wasn't just that one single because we were debating whether it was just a single or yes. he did like an album like Black Panther thing. And turns out 
he went halfway. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll skip that for a second. Uh, so there's a song I got recommended. Um, I think it's a new-ish release. Uh, it's a Spanish rap song that just for some reason features Freddie Gibbs called Entregala. Uh, it's a banger. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Uh, I listen so to good. it. What is the deal with Freddie's voice? Is it pitched up a little bit? In that song specifically, yeah, probably. Yeah. A touch. I, I feel like it's so weird, and then and then when he tries to add his Spanish, it's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, I I, I don't know that. what it is. It, it sounds like sorta not like Freddie until you know, you clearly read Freddie Gibbs. But yeah, great time, good good song, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I just mentioned it, but the uh, the good for you, Olivia Rodrigo, really good song, good single. From the coming project, gonna be dope. Um, I put this here, and Lord forgive me, I have no fucking clue why, but uh, it's a Chief Keef song called On Gang, and I think it's because we said we were talking about whether Chief Keef was in prison still or not, right. and he came out with this song in 2021. I don't know that it came out this week or not, but I thought it was interesting. Um, he still makes good music, it turns out, so respect. Um and I guess he yeah, he's featured on a new I don't know whose main song it is, but like Ski Mask is in it, I think. Someone else. And I think it's that third person song, but it's called New Bugatti. I didn't put it on the album because it's it's one of those times where I agree what you're saying, where it's like it's too many uh too many people on a single song. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's uh... not like I woke up in a new Bugatti. It's not that. Song. That's what I was about to say. Is it a remix of New Bugatti, <laughs> or whatever? I mean, it might be, I, but I I don't think so. It might just like use a sample from that song or something. But you know, um, uh, not sure if you'll care, but Freddie Gibbs sampled New Bugatti in one of his songs, one of his older songs. So I mean, I'm saying you should listen to it. It's pretty good. Um, I just have two other music things. Uh, so the first one, uh less important but interesting so i didn't realize uh De- i i really like the baby one i think he's got like one of the best flows right now uh and two i think he's got one of the best voices um what he says i don't really care i don't think his writing's exceptional or anything but i didn't really know much about him and i frankly didn't care up until the other day but it turns out his brother committed suicide like a year ago year and a half ago um and so when he came out with his 2020 album, My Brother's Keeper, is basically all just like a Rest in Peace, My Brother album. Um, and there's a particular song on it. I believe it's called Gucci Pico. Yeah, Gucci Pico. Um, it's really good. And for the first time, I was like, wow, he like can actually write. Uh, and whether he's ghostwriters or not, I don't really care. But he, he's got a really good voice uh, and, again, flow. So... If nothing else, I'd recommend listening to that song off that project, but I had not listened to that project at all because, honestly, it wasn't full of bangers. It was, like, an actual album. I was like, I don't care about that. <laughs> the baby, I just want to hear a banger, and that's it. Um, but it's actually good. Uh, and then the final thing, uh, and I hope you listen to it because uh, I, I kind of want your opinion on it, and then we can maybe transition. But uh, the Rice and Gravy single from Smino oh, yeah, yeah, with Monte Booker. Because, yeah. uh, I, I mean, that's got to be my number one for the week uh, just because it's a new Smino, and... Again, if any time I can hop on the uh, dick, dick fucking, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Wagon? Sure. Train? 
Dick I don't wagging. know. Is that what you were going for? Oh, I was trying to mix the two idioms, but it sounded wrong both times. No, I don't know. I, I like dick wagon. I think we're going to Because it's like get on the train and hop on his dick and then get on the dick train. I wasn't sure which one sounded stupider. Um, anyway, it's rice a, and gravy. Yeah, it's very Smino. Very, very Smino. I, I don't want to. Um... Honestly, I didn't even think it was very Smino. I thought it was so Monte Booker. Oh, well, I mean. And, and, potato, yes, they're synonymous. Kind of potato. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I well, I guess for me, like, so just like the little fucking noises, like the, I don't even know what they sound like. They're kind of like chimes, but they're digital. Yeah. It's like the yeah. doo 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 doo. It, it could almost be like an Azizi song. Uh, it's very like spacey and like lo-fi hip hop kind of thing. Uh, it was like so quintessential, Monte Booker. And then, you know, I mean, they're not Smino's greatest verses or anything, but it's yeah. Smino, so I like the sound of it. And yeah, well, yeah, it was really good. Smino has lit a literal lifetime of, I don't know, credit for Black Swan. Like, he can do yeah. so much bad stuff that I'm still going to respect him as an artist for Black Swan. Yeah. He, could, he literally... could come out with his own The Big Day, and I would forget that it came out because Black Swan existed. Yeah. He Unlike Chance. He could come out with a punk album, and I'd be like, well, you know, it's not his best, but Black Swan's pretty good still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's pretty much all I listened to. As far as watched, I basically just caught up on all my shows that I haven't been able to watch. Um, Did you finish that one show? Can one finish a show that's still going on? Which which one show? I don't know which I don't one. Know, the last week you said I meant to watch the finale of that one show because I oh, didn't know it was Oh, over. yes I did. Yes I did. Uh, that was the uh, Netflix show. Um, oh, oh, The Circle. circle. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, it. The winner was the best winner of the ones that were available, but it wasn't the one I wanted. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Favorite's not always the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it's a dumb reality TV show. That wasn't even what I'm gonna talk about. Uh, but the shows that are still coming out with new episodes every fucking uh, they're still dumb release times, right? Like they just choose when they want to release the episodes now because COVID is their excuse. But um, it's called a million, a million little things, and this is us are the two that I watched. They're both NBC or ABC originals. I forget. Maybe Which one's one, one's the other. But little things. It's like a group of four friends, but a group of four random strangers basically get trapped in an elevator, and then they decide that they're all, like all Bruins fans or some hockey team. I don't know the name of hockey teams, but they all decide they're going to get season tickets and just like hang out now because they shared this like weird life event together, and then they all become really good friends, and it's about how all their lives intermix, and the first episode you get that whole gist of a story because one of those four core friend group friends kills themselves. Uh, and so it's about, you know, the middle million little ways that people's lives interact with one another and like how even the smallest things make a big difference to different people for different, it, it, it's kind of corny in the premise, but the writing's actually pretty decent. And they, they do that thing of this is us where they can keep like probably 20 characters relevant. Which is really interesting. Like, I mean, Lost to an extent did the same thing, right? Like, you can have, you can find a show that isn't just like these three characters with twenty thousand side characters. It's like no, there's like twenty characters on any given episode. You could be watching any one of them, um, and it's pretty interesting. Uh, the episodes have been okay, but they finally hit like June 2020, so they just are now talking about like George Floyd. 
Um, and I think they're doing it tastefully and in a, you know, because again, most of these shows, I'm sure, cater to people on every side of the political spectrum, so they got to be tactful. But they did do like you know, a little moment of silence thing, and most of the black characters obviously were you know, shocked and upset, but they had actually unique takes and wasn't just like hey you know let's go protest and black lives matter stuff it was like you know i've been protesting literally forever and i'm not fucking trying to get killed by the police which is like a very real sentiment like not everyone wants to go fucking riot downtown etc so yeah it's just a they, they did it in a really interesting unique way uh and then this is a same thing yeah it's more the more the same show i like for its kind of campiness but is this is us ever going to end isn't, no. there all, isn't there always going to be an us? <laughs> yes. Like, they literally have... We're currently... I I've, I think I've told you about it, but yeah. they they do it... Future? Yeah, and past. So they literally can go forever. Sweet. They yeah. just followed this family tree. Can't wait for you to tell me about season 30 of This Is Us. Yeah. These uh, 20 new awesome. characters, they're crazy. It's it's amazing how they're balancing it. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much all I did listen to, etc. Okay, well, um, music-wise, I don't really... Oh, wait, I listened to that uh, Duke Deuce album, Duke Nukem. Oh, I did listen to that, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was the recent feature on Isaiah Rashad's new single, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, that album kind of blows. First song, I really like that first song. It's kind of a... It almost feels like a parody of trap music, but then you realize it's not. Like you realize the next few songs that wasn't a parody. That was just yeah. That's just that's just him. Yep, that's the music. I think what was the song? Was it Toot Toot? That was just egregious. There was one that was just like. No, I I don't think Toot Toot. Uh, Oh wait, no, it might be Toot Toot. (laughs) It might be Toot Toot. Okay, uh, but whatever. Not my favorite album in the world. Uh, you probably would be okay never listening to it. Then I was in the mood for an album I had listened to years and years ago. Uh, it's Choose Up Season by Eric Bellinger. It's just an R&B kind of, you know, uh, you know those just sexy R&B kind of Usher-esque mm-hmm. artists. Yep, yep. Those Neo. Guys. Yep. Yeah, yeah, those mm-hmm. guys. Um Still pretty good. It's not as good as I my what? Which album? Choose Up Season. I think I believe that's what it's called. Oh, yeah, Choose Up Season. Sorry. Yeah, I found it. Yeah, uh, got some actually. It's got two really good songs: Casual and Awkward. I really like those two. The other songs, Hit or Miss. Still solid album. And then, do you think? Oh yeah. As a prerequisite to be like. A very smooth sounding, like beautiful voice R and B singer. You have to be super hot first, or do you think you become super hot after you get famous? I think you become because every hot. single one yeah. of these dudes, six pack abs, like the perfectly ripped arm, like Jason Derulo, even like they just all like have the same exact fucking Abercrombie model uh, physique, and I'm like. Do you all just always look like that, or did that happen after the fame? I, I bet that happens, like, during the fame, you know, on the come-up. They're like, all right, I gotta, you know, work yeah. on it, and so... Yeah, I, I, gotta, I gotta make this look right. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's hard work keeping up their physiques. It, uh, it, it is no doubt 
an unquestionable talent. Like, that is actually so difficult to do. Now, if you had all day and that was your job and you got paid to do it, maybe I can see why it's a little bit easier to incentivize, but for sure it's exercising so fucking awful, dude. I hate that <laughs> shit so much. Well, that's why you'll never be Usher, okay? <laughs> I will never be Usher, dude. All right. Uh, a couple other just random songs that they... I don't think any of these were actually on an actual album. Uh, there's a cool Fireman remix, the Lil Wayne Fireman, by yeah, Korea yeah, uh, Yo. I, I, it's C-O-R-Y-A, Yo. So I don't know if that's Korea, like a pun kind of thing, like, you know, Korea, but not. Um, yeah, it's just a lo-fi version of Fireman, and it's awesome. It doesn't do anything to the song other than put it on a lo-fi beat. And couldn't ask for more. Then I listened to Keep Killing by G. Perico. Oh, his name is Corey Altenhofen. So I think it's Corey A. And he just went Corea. Because, you know. Yeah. And then, yo. I don't know. Korea, yo. Korea, yo. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like the way I anyway. said it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Keep Killing by G. Perico. It samples, I don't know what the song is actually called, but it is in Always Sunny in Philadelphia a lot. Uh, I don't know, whatever. You would Anyone who listens to the song would actually know what I'm talking about. But it's called Keep Killing by G. Perico. Not the best song, but it's pretty fucking hilarious, so it's almost worth it just for that. And then one last single I listened to called the Kill Me. The Tom Tom Club Genius of Love? Sure. I'm saying if you heard it, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if I gave people the title if they would know. But, yeah, once you hear the song, you'd know. But the last single is uh, Kill Me by Daichi Yamamoto. The only reason I know of this artist or this song is because Mick Jenkins has a feature on it. He kills it like always. The song's, you know, the song's alright. Uh, half of it's in Japanese, so it's kind of... It... it you got to be in a specific vibe, I feel like, to listen yeah. to. Uh... Just watch Yasuke and you're ready to <laughs> yeah. full send on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, but that's all the music I listen to, I believe. Um, TV and movie-wise, I actually only... So I finished Breaking Bad. I talked about that last week. But then I started Better Call Saul, which is the spinoff of Breaking Bad. What? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Spinoffs. It's, it's like a character me. gets their own show. But I don't know how to start this. I don't want to just start off with me absolutely trashing on it. But you can definitely uh. but you can definitely skip the first two seasons. It's I hate saying that because obviously these writers are really talented. Does the show and, take place before? Yeah. Saul meets them, right? Yeah, because it has to. I was to. gonna get onto that. It's, it's a prequel. But I was gonna get onto that. Um, yeah, the first two seasons are just so boring and dry. It's it's incredible how I was able to stay awake for some episodes. Um, yeah, the show does get, I would say, solid on around season three. So if you just want solid, oh nice! I didn't even realize. It. <laughs> Better call solid. Oh, man, that's a good gamer tag. Better call it, like, Solid Snake. Okay. Um, besides the nice. point, 
season three is pretty solid. I'm almost done with season four. I don't know if there's a season five, so I guess I'll see if I even care about the show. Right now, I really wouldn't recommend it unless you really like Bob Odenkirk as Saul. And then he's not even Saul till the last episode or so, so that's cool too. But the only way the show is interesting, I think, is Mike. The Mike Urban Trout character mm-hmm. from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Literally, he's the only thing carrying the show. Him and a character named Nacho. They are... I want to shout out, I don't know the guy's name, but the guy who plays Nacho, great actor. I don't know if he's on anything else, but he should be. Because he, he's killing it. I don't know why he's standing out, but it seems like every time he's on screen, I just identify, oh, that's that character, you know? It's not... Michael oh, Mando? Mondo? Is that the man who played Nacho? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Michael Mondo. He uh, plays uh, Mac Gargan in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Oh, no way! Uh, that was in Spider-Man Homecoming. He played uh, Scorpion. Matt Gargan is Scorpion. But, um... Oh, that's from, great. Uh, Quebec, and is of Mexican descent, so I believe it's Mondo. Mondo? Okay, well, Michael Mondo, great actor. I, I want to get that off my chest. You're better than pretty much most people on that is show. It, is that the same writer, the dude, the Dean from Community, whatever his name is? Or no? Do each episode kind of do normal TV stuff where different writers come in for each episode? I'm sorry, what? For Better Call Saul? Yeah. The writer, or writers, yeah. is it the same as Breaking Bad, which is the dude who's the dean from Community? That's not the writer of Breaking Bad. Yeah, it is. I don't think so. Jim Rash does not write Breaking Bad, I don't think. I want to say your wires are getting crossed. Um, I swore he did. I watched like this whole fucking interview thing he did. You might, I'm pretty sure, bro. I don't think so. I think he's probably talking about the Descendants. But... Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe he just like did it. Maybe they came out the same year or something, and That's he was totally just talking possible. about that in a podcast. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't doubt that one bit. Um, yeah, but this show, I don't know about the writers per se, but it is created by Vince Gilligan, who did create Breaking Bad. So, if that tells you anything, I'm not sure. But the point I want to drive home about Better Call Saul is that it's it's kind of like Mad Men, you know? Where Mad Men is, it's good TV, it's really well written, but can I tell you one season from the next? No. <laughs> you know? Can I tell you one episode from the next? Half the time. Possible now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, if you're in the mood for that, go watch it. Uh, and that's about all I did with this week, pretty sure. If we want to move on to the reviews. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I, I did find the video that I was talking about. So yeah, I guess... Yeah, so he, he was talking about writing The Descendants for sure, not Breaking Bad, but he was with the two numbnuts, Vince Gilligan and the dude who plays fucking the dad from Malcolm in the Middle and the guy from Breaking Bad, what's his... Thank you, Brian Cranston. Uh, and they're like doing like a big breakdown about the show. Uh, it's like a, it's a pretty good video actually. But yeah, I guess for some reason I just I don't know why they chose him to host that. It's not like his I mean, YouTube series or anything. Yeah, I, don't know. I know. I'm just they could have just had the writer from the show, right? But That's I guess fair. they wanted some third party. I, I I don't know what the choice was, but anyway. Big fan. Um, 
Oh, actually, real quick, too, because I already closed the tab, but I have my other tab open that has the meme band that I wanted to mention a little bit more about, too. But another meme album this week, uh, because I forgot. Sorry, I know. Uh, you can just edit this back where you want. Uh, <laughs> but The Devil Wears Prada. Much. You know the band The Devil Wears Prada? Does that ring a bell? Sort of. Is it a they're, screamo emo thing? They're metalcore, but they're Christian metalcore. Oh, that's why it's familiar. <laughs> okay. They're from Dayton, yeah. They, uh, they're from like 2005, 2006, and I guess they decided that they're going to come back and Aren't they just all... kick ass and take names in the Christian metalcore scene. Just like Jesus. <laughs> just like Jesus, man. Just like Jesus. Yeah, uh, the Crusaders. Right. Yeah. Uh, preference on album or movie? Let's do album first. I feel like I can talk about the movie more. Me too. Um, so we've got last week's uh, The Off Season from J. Cole. It's a follow-up to technically KOD, but in between he did that Revenge of the Dreamers 3 project with his entire label plus, I don't know, like 20 other various artists from just his mutual friends group slash people he thinks are popping off. Um, basically like rented a house and hired like 20 producers. Um, and so some of the songs featured on this that he's released as singles over the last like two years were made during that time. Um, and you know, this is like branded as his supposed to be best writing, uh, his most like, if I really just want to hone my crap, like, do I think I've achieved my best work in terms of my rapping? No? All right, well, then let me, like, put my fucking pencil to this paper and, like, get in the booth and just pop off. And having said that, and having been branded as that, I approached this thinking this is going to be way better than 2014 Four Sills Drives, or this is going to be worse than, like, For Your Eyes Only. And it definitely somehow sandwiched between those two, like, if those are the spectra, or if that is the spectrum, and it's somewhere on there. It's like right in the middle, which is just, just unfortunate kind for me as J. Cole Stan. Yeah. J. Cole Stan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil the next review, but same. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I can put this in a way that's abstract enough that can apply to both things. But as a fan of this man who creates art, I had expectations that were clearly just not met whatsoever. And if anything, hampered any expectations for this artist's next project. See, you can put that sentence to literally both reviews. Really? Um, so yeah, I'll just fucking start. So I think that the front half of this is way weaker than the back half. Yep. Okay. Bob, we're on the same page there. Um, I thought that for a dude who has blown up so far for you know going double triple quadruple platinum no features uh having features for once was great a very nice welcome change but the fucking just one the whole song of 100 mil is cringe second boss's feature yeah one of the worst features and verses I've ever heard from him in my life. It, it, and it's very fleeting. I was fleeting. so confused why it was there. It's very fleeting because I can't even recall what you're talking about. Like, I know Boss was on the album. <laughs> I totally know that. <laughs> but nothing. 
I listened to it this Yeah, morning. he's on three different songs. I'm like, is that his favorite person from fucking Dreamville? I'd say so. I mean, he, Boss really, I mean, only took off because of J. Cole. So I always assume. Well, yes, yeah. I just assumed they were very close just because of that. Like, I'm pretty sure he had a J. Cole feature on his unknown SoundCloud mixtape from way back when. I guess my problem, my, my confusion is, while I can completely understand the talent and why J. Cole might want Boss on his record, why are you having three features from one dude from your label when you have people like Earth Gang and Jid on that same label who don't have a feature at all on this album and who definitely could put in a harder verse? I mean, they had that... Jid and J. Cole had the song... Um, Ooh, Opties, that mm-hmm. was just, like, insanely hard. Um, and I don't know. So it, I, don't, I don't want to go too much into being a Jid's fucking dick rider, too. But, like, well. yeah, I just don't understand the utility of having three boss features if they're not all going to fucking slap. And I don't think they all slapped. And especially on an album where you're toting, this is your most gifted, you know, writing ability. And your most, I spent the most time in the booth really perfecting every sound. Also, the use of autotune on, like, five of these songs was awful. I don't think J. Cole autotune, good. J. Cole autotune, bad. Oh, when he's yelling <laughs> and trying to scream? Or, yeah. sorry, trying to sing. My bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also thought the 21 Savage song, the My Life song, was just a worse version of a lot. Yes. What was that? Was it the same beat? I didn't listen to it, it was back close. to back. But goddamn, I could have sworn it was literally the same song. That's a good transition, though. You want to talk about same beat? Uh, did you listen to Limbo by Amine? I was quite literally wondering why this was on the playlist until I pressed play. Yeah, so Limbo by Amine, or on the album Limbo by Amine, there's a song called Can't Decide. I forget the name of the producer, but whoever produced that song specifically really likes to do this little guitar rift. I don't know, fucking pitched up bullshit. And literally, that sample and that sound, aka that whole production kit, those drum pads, everything, is verbatim what is used in Pride is the Devil. Is it you know, the BPMs might change. They might have added some drums. Uh, it's similar enough. It's the same producer. And so that producer just has his drum kit, and he just puts it on everything. You're joking. <laughs> I, I just assumed... J. Cole hit up Amine or whatever the producer's name is and said, let me use that beat. Are you sure they're different? It's No, it's the same producer and it is a dif- different beat. But, I mean, it's like having a Monte Booker, right? If you have Monte Booker, you know it's going to be a Monte Booker beat. That's cool. But Monte yeah, Booker's beats don't all sound the same. This sounds almost identical. And it's like, how lazy are you that you're just giving J. Cole arguably... I shouldn't say arguably bigger. He's definitively bigger of a rapper and you know, artist than Amine. But why would you give him the same used beat from, like, a pretty popular album that already came out? Like, it just feels weird. Um, feels like also, a, 95... Uh, oh, sorry, Go ahead. I was, I was no, just going to say, it, it feels onto the producer's uh, choice of kits and whatnot sounds. Uh, feels like a DJ Mustard. You know, where he's just, every DJ Mustard song gotta have that clap, and it's gotta have the eight. Hey, you know, just the, yeah. the chorus, like, hey, hey, like, literally every single Mustard song. And, yeah, that just reminds me of it for some reason. I, like you were saying, you got the Monte Booker side of producers, then you got the Mustard side. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, then just to talk about the production one more time, um, 95 South. Uh, I've, I've watched the fucking Fantano review of this because I want to see what he had to say about this song in particular. Uh, and basically what he goes is like this, uh, you, you know, you could tell Jake Cole's a student of the game from the early 2000s. I'm like, bitch, he was in the game in the early 2000s. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, <laughs> yes, of course he was a student of the game because that's when he was fucking growing up in, in high school and in college. Like, of course, that <laughs> that's when he started to discover music as an actual individual. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, but like, then he... You know, he samples some popular songs, and then he literally, like, takes that little John riff at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put your hood up! See, I thought it sounded like... like little John, but then I think if you listen to it again, it's not. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's like it is, bro. I don't know. I, I listened to it again, I really honed in on the little John yeah and stuff. And I, just, I, I mean, they might have, like, pitched it different, but, like, that's, like, literally a little John sample. Sure. Um... Or at the very least, they just took the sounds, you know, took out the voice, and then had them or, you know, a group of people do the vocals over it. But those words are Lil John's words, for sure. Uh, clearly, you're a student yeah, so of early hip-hop, early 2000s. Yeah, clearly, clearly, clearly. Uh, and either way, I went, like, this does not bode well for this album for me. He just spent, like, a minute of my time making me listen to a Lil John song I didn't want to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I felt right off the first song. And then we get all the way to 100 mil, and... He's already had, like, four of the wackest bars he's ever given me. Put an M on your head like you're Luigi's brother, and it didn't even, like, rhyme, and I was just like, what are you talking about? Well, I think he was talking about, uh, as far as I could sparse this out or whatever, uh, I think he was saying how he had an M on his head, and you were a Luigi brother because Luigi has Luigi. an L on his head. Yeah, it's very... You just don't get it. You're not smart enough. <laughs> I really am just not fucking smart enough, bro. Yeah, I, I think that's I was like, is he murdering people? For. And you just, like, put an M on their head because you murdered them? I was like, I don't know what you're saying, man. No, I, um, I, yeah. I, I think he was... I don't know what he was really going for with that. And if anything, you want to be Wario because he has the W on his head, right? Like, you yeah, want the that's wins. The fucking, yeah, that's the dub. So. Um... He had a he had a, a line about uh, I want the exact quote so I'm gonna try to pull it up but I don't remember which fucking song it was but it's like this PC culture's whack y'all call me a homophobe or something and I was like what are you, what yeah, are you saying I don't know man who who like <laughs> who are these people that are calling you out J Cole I need to well see I mean those. he did have that whole beef with fucking uh no name uh but that was about blackness and him not using his celebrity properly which obviously he took a big fat l on because he basically went like i don't need to be a voice for people like i'm just a rapper and she's like no bro like you're a rapper and you constantly flaunt about having 100 mil and being you know bigger than god like if you're bigger than god you should probably fucking do something with that that's provocative and promoting change and shit and she yeah she broke his ass well he did not take that note to heart no, no, no. This, this is, like, <laughs> one of the most out-of-fucking-touch albums I've heard in a long time, which is just really sad. Yeah, it it's really weird to me. I do believe, I wholeheartedly believe, if KOD had not come out, and this came out, you know, what, 420, 2016, whenever KOD came out, whatever. If this had came out in... 2018, I think. In its stead, this might be way better. 
But just True. because KOD came out, and I guess maybe I'm just not in that headspace I was at the time, this just sounds like freshmen in college are going to love it. They're going to be like, oh man, this J. Cole album is the best one yet. And even when the first song you were talking about with that little John thing, like that's what came to my head. I was just like, man, a freshman and a frat probably really digs this album or digs this song specifically. And that's just not what I was expecting. It's not what I was hoping for. Um, especially once you said he was trying to hone in on his writing craft. It's definitely not what I was expecting. There's just, there's a lot of weird things to this album. It's a lot of like subtext or context around the album that makes this worse than I think it actually is. Because I don't think any of these songs are terrible. I I don't, I don't know. Hundred Mill's pretty terrible. Okay, well, I don't have a lot of favorites, but I don't have any ones I hated or absolutely hated, could not stand, whatever. Um, so whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'm not too sure. All I know is I was very underwhelmed by the mm. end of it. I found I found the line. Mm. It's from uh, The Climb Back, mm-hmm. so third to last song. Uh, One phone call gets you canceled like a homophobe in this PC culture. Bars. Bars. Boom. Bars. Boom. <laughs> uh, he also, yeah, he also had a line in the same song, literally like two or three lines later, uh, in my sectional like a fucking three-piece sofa. You get it, sectional sofa. I know, I I get it. <laughs> but this is his best writing of all time. Yep. Yep. Nah, man. Like, and this is someone who's like known to have like corny, funny, like one-offs as like being a corny, funny one-off, and like, hey, I write my own shit. Like, you know, excuse me for thinking this is funny, but like, in um, oh shoot, it's off twenty fourteen Four Hills Drive. What song is it? Maybe act. Actually, no, it's not called actually. It was apparently, apparently, at the end, he's like, "I'm hot dog, catch up to me." Yeah, you know, and you're <laughs> like, still pretty good. <laughs> That's a good one. And and it, the, the, my problem with J Cole is he's very clearly a very talented rapper, right? Clearly. Like, I think that's why we're hating flow, this album so and, much. Yes, and an incredible switch up, and like, he raps pretty well on this. But this wasn't about his rapping this time. He was like, nah, dude, I'm going to write the best verses you've ever heard. And it's so overproduced, man. Yes. Like, there are way too many fucking cooks in the kitchen on this one. Yeah. And it's very bad about it. Uh, See, so yeah, I was I was actually going to say earlier how 100 mil is like, I think there's inside there, there's a J. Cole song I really like. But it's all covered. Yeah, it's all covered in this overproduction uh got that what uh that modern stereotypical hype rap kind of gospely sounding you know the just that sound and it's really it's he was literally auto-tuned the whole song every verse of his on that song it's hard to be positive about a lot of this album sadly very sadly like with much chagrin (laughs) um uh what were your favorite songs real quick uh, Hunger on Hillside. Really? Period. I period? Yep, period. I didn't hate a lot of songs. I didn't like a lot of songs. So. I, I liked two songs. Hunger on Hillside was one, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, The other one was Let Go of My Hand, or Let Go of My Hand, I think. Uh, And that's the one with uh, Black as like the oh, yeah, dude singing great, the yeah. chorus. And I just love... I don't love his voice, love his voice, but... 
it was a nice change of pace. And like again, it was one of those times I went like, thank God he had a feature because J Cole can do a lot of things, but singing is really not one of his strong nope. suits. Nope. And so sometimes, like when he sang on 2014 Force Drives, it was like so emotional and it was about something so personal and like introspective that it sounded good. Right, like but in this case, like this song was introspective enough. But he had a real singer, a really talented singer, sing the fucking hook, and it was just great. So I like that song a lot. And again, it was just like encapsulated the thank God you finally put a fucking feature on an album, bro. Like, Yeah, that was actually – if it, if this had no features, I probably would just call this a trash album. But like, yeah. just the fact that he kind of gave in a bit and gave us some features, uh, that's, that's a positive note, honestly. Even if the features were a bit underwhelming, uh, it's nice to know that he can still collaborate with other rappers. Uh, but one second, you said you like black a lot. Mm-hmm. Did you but, I mean, listen to East Atlanta Love enough. Letter? Twenty eighteen. Is that album? his album? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The picture of him with and his the baby. pretty little fears J Cole song. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Just saw. I was just gonna suggest that it's an amazing album. So. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. But um, you know I. Just, uh, I got some things written down. I enjoy that he referenced Hideo Kojima. I don't, I don't care. It doesn't save the song. I just like that yeah. J. Cole knows Kojima. That's just a weird, uh, culture clash, I think. Maybe. I just don't see J. Cole as the big Metal Gear Solid fan, but whatever. You know, that's cool. <laughs> um, and then, this came off as very Eminem-esque. Like, modern Eminem for me. The way I feel about this album. Not the sound or anything like that. But just, you know, there's rapping here. There's some talent here. Um, but is there a song I'm going to talk about next week? No. Am I Not gonna, one. Yeah, am I going to suggest this album? Am I going to suggest this album to a J. Cole fan? No. <laughs> so, I don't know. Not not my favorite album. Uh, I do want to reiterate that it wasn't the most offensive album, so I'll still give it a six. It was only offensive to me as a big fan because of what he promised. Actually, this is a whole other point, and it's kind of meta and not necessarily about the album. But the last track on KOD is alternatively titled um, The Intro to the Fall-Off or Intro to the Fall-Off. And the Fall-Off is supposed to be like his big one, like the album that he's done on. Mm. And like, obviously the name the off season implies like you know sports ball reference like you still do training on your off season you still play games on your off season and like that's when you like really put in the work to do better on the next season and so the fall off is like you're at your height and you literally can do no better you don't plateau you just fall off the mountain on the other side kind of thing so like this is him climbing up to the peak and then he's supposed to peak at some point and i guess that's what the fall off is but like how can you do the intro song to your final album on your non-penultimate album. Right. It was confusing. And I was like really expecting the off-season to be the fall-off, and it's just not. And so I'm like, so he has songs from like 20, 20, like 15 to 2021 that have gone unreleased, and then he like releases them as singles, and then decides to put them on this album called The Off-Season, because two of them, that's what they were. I think The Climb Back was one of those that he released as, like, a random single over the last couple of years. Same with, uh, what was it? 
uh oh no okay i guess lion king on ice he didn't put on this project but like i don't know man it was just so overhyped and then so under delivered for even a normal amount of expectation let alone how overhyped it was that yeah i i would go so far as say like five and a half like I don't know. It was pretty See, cringe. Speaking of hype, I really like how he felt the need to put a single out for this album. Like <laughs> again, it was like a on the fuck it like a, just a whim, you know? Like he doesn't he didn't want to all the way up until the week before the project. And he said, "Fuck it," and you're like, "You really?" It only hurt you that you did yeah, that. Hundred percent. Because I like, don't. I don't of think course, much monetarily, of... it might not have hurt him. Right, but critically, it hurt him. Because <laughs> I, I don't think much of the album was that much better than that interlude song, which wasn't even that good of a song. So, um, yeah, and maybe if you if you had never ever ever heard J Cole, I bet this album's pretty damn good. But, Probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is not turns the world out J Cole's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Cole World, we live in Cole World. So sadly, yeah. This album kind of blows. Sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll go down to 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> Just because. Just because. Yeah. J. Cole, if you ever listen to this, we mean it. You know? Like, hopefully Came the from the Ville where they bang for the money and carry four fives like change for a 20. That same rapper. <laughs> He's not good. <laughs> All right. Okay, um... with the fucking... This PC culture gets you canceled like a homophobe. <laughs> nah, I, I think shitty albums will get you canceled, really. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I, I would hope. Ugh, beef beef with just a better rapper and political activist can get you canceled. He was canceled for like a hard month there, when he like literally took the actual worst take against No Name. Mm, right. Uh, yeah. Anything else to say about this album? Nope. Okay. Uh, off to Tenet. Yeah, good old... Was that... Tech, yeah, it's 2020 technically, right? Tenet? 2020 Tenet? Because it was on... COVID it was this Oscar just, season, right? This This know. Oscars, right? Yeah, it's September 2020. I, I looked it up. Uh, But, yeah, we got Christopher Nolan's fucking... Latest mind fuck. You need a 2 million IQ to figure it out. Mind bender of a movie. And then it turns out, uh, no, not at no, all, actually. No, you don't. It's actually the simplest fucking time travel I've ever seen in a movie like other than i don't i, I don't know other than back to the future like <laughs> at what at what point did you figure out the twist quote unquote and i'm gonna call it a twist quote unquote yeah, what twist i don't know what you're talking about so like the whole robert pattinson who recruited him actually yeah yeah the second he said the guy recruited me and then didn't tell me who that guy was so i was like yeah. time travel not telling me a character's name, gotta be the main guy. There's literally, like, there's or no like, other time travel trope other than that. The funny thing, right from the beginning, right, when he's on the boat, and they're like, you know, we had to test you to see if you'd actually take the pill. Uh, he's like, you know, there's only so much information we can give out, and, like, the people that we work for, you know, intentionally devised this system. And so immediately, you know, red flags were drawn, and I was like, okay what's going to happen and then he meets with privia and she's like you know i don't even really know who we work for etc blah 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 and 
you know, it's just hilarious the whole time. And then Robert Pattinson's like, you know, maybe maybe if we get through this whole thing, I'll tell you. And I'm like, but you know you get through it because he hired you. <laughs> like, like, uh. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things. I, I don't know where to start because I want to get to a lot of complaints I have. Like, <laughs> just, just um, pick a plot. Pick okay. a spot. Rather. I'll, I'll start off with the fucking audio. Christopher Nolan. I... <laughs> As a moviegoer who doesn't have an amazing 7-1 surround system hooked up in every room or doesn't watch every movie on a headset with surround sound or with simulated surround sound, you know, a plebeian with a TV, please just make your audio equal. Just put an equalizer on that. Uh, explosions compared to talking, compared to talking with a mask on, you would think they're just like, from completely different scenes, but they're literally in the same scene. And you're like, oh wait, what did I just hear? And then boom, big explosion. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be trying to hear a movie that's going to deafen me five seconds later. Um, I even wrote down specifically at an hour 50, about an hour 50, I put 30-ish because I didn't know if the HBO Max intro thing would count. So about an hour 50, there's a transition when they're talking, and it goes to the yellow ship tanker that's going backwards in the water. The audio literally goes up. Like, quite literally, you're just listening, and the tanker sound is higher than whatever you were listening to. That's That seems like such an amateur move in a weird way. I even like went back to make sure it wasn't my TV that was just auto-doing it. No, it just spikes up. And, it's terrible. Um, yeah, so get better audio, Nolan, or realize that not everyone has a surround sound theater system or watches movies in theaters. That'd be great. Can um, I say something that's maybe a little, maybe not super controversial or anything, but so do you know how much money this movie costed? Probably too much. $205 million. Sounds about right. It does it? Yeah. I mean, for a Nolan movie, I get it. No, but like the CG they were doing at the end? Yeah. CG they were doing at the end? Like the big like fight? all the backwards shit? Yeah. I bet you that costs so much money per second. Per frame. Because they have to animate one explosion. Then they have to animate like, all the other explosions. But then they have to animate it backwards. But then they have to superimpose that into a screen with people on it. But then they have to go back and keep track... Like, Two hundred million sounds Cause, right. Because this, because this one best visual effects, and I was really trying to remember outside of like two scenes that felt like it was money well spent. Oh, I'm not saying and, it's money well spent. I just the money adds up when it comes yeah, to I special mean, effects. Tomato, cash. tomato, tomato. I'm not asking how much does a car cost. I'm asking how much do you think this car should cost? See oh, what the difference? Oh, well, I really think half the scene should have been cut out of this movie, so I really think it should have cost $100 million. <laughs> Yeah, I think $100 million seems fair. If we want to extrapolate um, backwards, I can do that. Because, like, for sure I thought that the... Actually, it, it was actually a really simple scene. It probably didn't cost that much to do. But the uh, reverse bungee jumping up the building in India, yeah. I thought was pretty cool. It was, you know, Mission Impossible-esque or pretty much any spy movie-esque. Uh, but it was done in an interesting way because I'd never seen anyone repel up a building. Right. Have you seen them, you know, shoot the little fucking latch gun and then zip up, you know, pull themselves up, but never literally, like, slingshot themselves on top of a building YOLO. 
Um, and the same thing on the way down, right? It's a bungee cord, so they would have sprung back up if they didn't just, like, instantly cut, which is pretty cool also. Um, and then the other one was, in the final fight, the, you know, the final shootout to defuse the bomb and save the world, maybe, but we don't really know because Grandfather Paradox, and we're never going to talk about that again except for the ones. <laughs> um, when that building, you're watching it both forward and backward, and you watch the building both explode and then reverse explode yeah collapse and both ways yeah. it caused damage to both other buildings and people and i was like that's cool that's yes, really cool there, there are a lot of cool things in this movie and i mean cool would be a simple one word review for this movie but there's just nothing else to it i don't think i i feel like this was literally the epitome of style over substance and this is oh coming... yeah oh yeah yeah that was is... my problem with dunkirk well okay well, it was the same on. problem i was gonna say this is coming from a nolan stan like i make excuses for dark knight rises for god's sakes same but fuck this i don't know man i there's not a lot of excuses i can make for this it almost felt michael bay-esque it like, did in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, Michael Bay. He's been gone for about ten years, so I guess you know they, we needed a new one. Um, and I just didn't think it'd be Christopher Nolan, who I. It's a strong you know, word. Whatever, dude. This movie was just so popcorn movie and not an actual movie. Um, it was somehow less intelligent than Primer. I mean, not somehow less well. intelligent. But I'm saying most movies are less intelligent. It's than a primer. time travel movie that like is trying to pose these crazy time travel stuff without actually doing anything meaningful and instead just telling you right on the fucking nose what the time travel is. Like yeah. uh, specifically talking about Robert Pattinson's relationship with protagonist um, at the end, that end conversation. You didn't have to tell me all that. Like, oh, wait, so that means I'm your recruiter. Oh, so this means this is a beginning of a friendship. Oh, and to you, it's the end of a friendship. Like, don't, don't tell me that. Just, you could, yeah. they, it's like they felt the need to explain every single thing. Yeah, act like this movie took any sort of mental capacity whatsoever. So, speaking of fucking just bad writing. Yeah. A lot of it. What is Washington's motivation? One, just in general. Like, I don't really get his plot line as a CIA agent who now just takes this secret task because it saved the universe. And then also, why he's trying to literally save the universe and he's so up the fucking villain's wife's ass. Like, at no point... like. It was somehow a like it was two characters trying to be one. It was like it was trying to be James Bond, yep. Who is you know a pretty much like for the most part no nonsense, but gets tied up in female characters. You know, like he literally could give no shits other than doing the job, except for when it comes to women. And I get that character motivation, but this dude was like American super soldier, like Captain America. And James Bond. And those two don't fuse at all. They like completely have opposite motivations. One is like, I will literally do anything, just tell me the job. And the other is like, well, I have morals and I have standards and like 
sometimes people come first and even the smallest change can do the best good and blah 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 you know like motivational speaker shit and i honestly didn't think about his motivation but like now that you say that this character is like whole id or whatever you want to talk about is i think was just all over the place to begin with i didn't even think about why he's actually doing i rarely ever care about why but now that you're saying that he so relentlessly tried to save the girl and i'm like the girl's not pivotal to any part of this you know what i mean like you you we all knew that the evil dude was an evil dude and he was either going to beat the shit out of her or you know rape or torture her or just plain kill her and he's already been at least emotionally abusing her for some time withholding the fucking kid over her back right like oh you know you can leave me but you never see your kid again and so she's basically you know enslaved to him in that way uh and so you're like do you really care about one out of a universe of people (laughs) you care about one mother and child relationship for people that you've met for maybe a total like six hours i couldn't tell you the timeline on this movie i felt like i could tell you the the actual time travel but i couldn't tell you from day to day like was it the next day was it the next hour was it the next week i couldn't tell you any of that yeah but you think that was a pacing problem or just like a plot problem i think there's a pacing problem i think the editing well not not that those are exactly correlated, but I think the pacing and the editing were very just quick for no apparent reason whatsoever. Um, especially the beginning. The beginning almost felt like it was throwing you into something and didn't really care how you were thrown, you know? It wasn't like, hey, let's start in the middle of it, and it wasn't exactly, hey, let's explain everything. It was just, hey, let's get that pill scene going. Right. <laughs> Which was a weird choice. Um, Jesus, I, I even got to some stuff. I do appreciate the scope of this movie, like what they were trying to do. And it's almost as if this movie would set up something cool, you know, like maybe, maybe if this was a prologue to a Robert Pattinson movie or a founding of the time travel organization movie, I think that would be really cool. But since I assume this is a one-off, I almost, the scope of it almost doesn't matter because it's kind of tied off at the end. Like, okay, that's, that's the movie, you know, nothing much to it. Um, I, I said this to you, but I think it needs to be vocalized, uh, on this. Christopher's writing is not as good as Jonathan's. I didn't realize what you meant by that until I saw the credits and saw a lack of Jonathan. Yeah, it's... I'll agree, 100%. Uh, I don't know what and, it is. And it makes me... I'm curious. Is that true for Dunkirk as well? Did Jonathan not write Dunkirk? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Uh, no, he didn't. I just looked it up. Christopher. Wow. And I think that's it. I think my taste... Like, obviously, he's a talented director. I mean, I don't think there's any scene in this movie that isn't directed well. Yes. Yeah, I don't think we're arguing that. I mean... Uh, Again, I'd say we're both Nolan fans, or both like Nolan movies, so... This There's isn't literally only two Nolan eight. movies I dislike. There's only two. And I like Dunkirk, so I don't even know. Uh, I thought it was better than this movie, honestly. Because, like, as you're saying, his writing or whatever, who's writing... I think it was him and some other person. Uh, whatever. In this one? Yeah. It could have been like him and his wife or something. 
but their writing is just so on the nose. There's no subtlety whatsoever. Almost none of the characters... Like... I'm only seeing him credited as a writer. Oh, well, whatever. Um, maybe I was looking at producers. Um, yeah, none of the characters were able to establish themselves through the script. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, there wasn't a sentence or a quip or um, some sort of interaction where the characters were able to establish themselves. Instead, it was just, hey, this is this character, like, this is the plot, you know, Robert Pattinson is this guy who's sort of not, by the books, kind of loose canon. But instead of showing that through the script or anything, they literally just talk about him drinking on the job or something. And it's just, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird to me how blatant and flagrant, is flagrant a word for that? I don't know. Just it, it needed more nuance, maybe a little more finesse. Is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you used the phrase already, but on the nose is probably most apt here. Like, there was nothing egregious. Maybe the sound makes him, but again, I listen with headphones, so uh, that's what I'm saying. I think headphones. I bet you this uh, this sounded just fine. I bet you with surround sound, this sounds just fine. But when you have stereo but, speakers come out of a TV, nope. I like. I don't know. I, I recall at least two people telling me that this movie was a mindfuck. I did too. And I was like, I was like, no, it wasn't. I don't know when that was supposed to happen. I was waiting. I was literally <laughs> waiting for it. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Here, here was another like so on the nose spoiler thing about like what the plot was that they were trying to hide for some reason that is not obvious. They, you see the fucking. They're in uh, whatever Switzerland or Denmark or whatever country that they're going to go see some paintings in, but they crash the plane and do the whole thing to find the plutonium. Uh, and the they find their first, whatever it's called, the carousel, that the little spinny device that takes you forward or backward, yeah. that uh, inverts you. The segment, yeah. Uh, whatever that thing is called. They find their first one, and they see the inverted bullet stuck in the window, and then he has the epiphany like, oh shit, someone's about to fucking come out of this thing. It opens up, and this dude in a mask with all full black suit runs out, and they each chase one version of him. And Robert Pattinson, you see that in the first sequence of the shot that you ever get to see, he gets the dude's mask, looks down, and then fucks off. You know he hasn't killed him or hurt him in any way. You just know he got the mask, saw the person... And walked off. So, who the fuck does he see that could possibly... I mean, we know who he sees. I'm saying, oh, while you're oh. a viewer watching that, okay. who the fuck could he be seeing that would evoke that kind of response? Either he's some double agent for a secret baddie, and he realizes that's another secret baddie, or he's just a good guy, and it happens to be a good guy he recognizes who's come back in time. What good guy could come back in time that we would care about? Of course, it's the fucking main guy or himself. And if you see yourself, yeah, you probably fuck off. And I was like, it's 50-50 on this, but it's probably our fucking dude, Washington. What's his name? John Washington? John David Washington, I believe. Um, John David Washington. Yeah, I, I already said how I think they should have trimmed a lot from this movie. <clears throat> and a lot of the things I wish they trimmed were the scenes that explained the time travel. Like... You yeah. know the scene where uh, Kenneth Branagh, I don't fucking know his character name because I couldn't keep track of anything like that in this movie. Kenneth Branagh, the villain, um, mm. he was interrogating. Andre, I think? 
whatever. He was interrogating John Protag, and he was speaking backwards and stuff through the wall because, like, they were inverted or whatever, and he had to say the things backwards or on time. <laughs> I don't think they should have shown that shot where Kenneth Bernal comes out and just right. reenacts it. In forward time? Yeah, yeah, when he's just reenacting the thing. It's like, I don't need to see that, man. Like, I think it would have been a lot better if you just left me wondering, oh, is that time travel? Does he have a system? You know, if you had me second-guessing the time travel, but instead it's like, oh, no, that was just, he had it. Got it. Got it. Like, Yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. This used time travel as a vehicle to, like, show off cool visual stuff. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it left, like, no wiggle room for personal interpretation. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, when Interstellar does weird time travel, fourth, fifth dimensional, weird pulling on time strings and love is the ultimate thing, like, it leaves room in the mind to go, like, how the fuck does that, like, you know, how does that work and what's, what kind of weird alien technology is that? Oh, it's, like, our human future technology. We just haven't discovered it that's so cool. like it leaves a lot of personal room and this did not allow that at all nope nope kind of sucks and it's uh, funny as someone who's also touched on time travel like he has time travel mo- like inception is not a particular time travel movie but it distorts time in a very unique way 100%. and so as someone who's dealt with time like on three separate occasions actually four right memento's technically a time one too yeah oh yeah especially especially since the movie isn't in order Right. So, so I'm like, how can you do it so wrong on the fourth go? Or I guess it's not wrong. You know, it's personal interpretation if it's wrong or not, but so it's so simple. lazy. Yeah, so simple. Yeah. Maybe that, I think that would hurt Christopher Nolan the most if we just called Tenet so simple. Just like, this movie is simple as it can get. It just happens to have time travel in it. Um, yeah. And again, it's, it's solely a plot device and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, one of my positives, I put, it looks pretty, I guess. Like, looks it, pretty. No, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, I, it. I can't say a lot more about it. Um, I hated the character Ives. Which one was Ives? The, like, general friend from the bearded future of Pattinson's. Huh? The bearded special forces dude? Or... Yeah. What? Yeah. Ives was, like, the only character I even cared about. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I really enjoyed Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh getting and getting a role in the last three or four years like i don't know where he's been at but it's been a real shame that he's been completely gone from our just i don't know from any sort of popular movie new movie whatsoever so it was really nice just to see him again so i don't know if i even cared about the character i was just like yeah right. you just have to see an actor you like um, oh this did the fucking over explain science that doesn't actual yes. equal science thing yes where they were like so how does inversion work and she's True. like well actually through the reverse entropy forces of plutonium 241 we've created it <laughs> you just like, shut the fuck up you're actually catching the bullets john yeah all you have to do is really think about it and then you just see his hand and he's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> uh shit i i feel like hot take um you know what a better use of time travel is Prisoner of motherfucking Azkaban had better time travel than this movie. Like, and even very similar time travel, I'd argue. Uh, like, fixing your own problems and stuff. So, I don't know what that says about a movie. <laughs> but when Harry Potter does time travel better than you, I don't know. Kind of says enough, I think. 
any last thoughts? I feel like yeah. Uh, if he has a third movie in a row, because right, Dunkirk was his last movie before this, right? Correct. Okay. If he has a third movie in a row that also goes so below expectations, he might not be like one of my favorite directors. I'll yeah. say it. Yeah, I mean because yeah. these last two, I found, and again, I said Dunkirk suffers the same thing. The war was a good piece to capture, but it did so little of what I think good war movies do of like giving me a character or like a small little, you know, narrative little slice of whatever, you know, because very few war movies that are good war movies actually capture a character they usually do big picture like well we're fighting these four battles and we're going to talk about the general and what's happening stateside and maybe like one you know general's wife at home or one little grunt's wife and kid at home and very rarely do they focus on like one single thing and this is why i'm, I'm telling you we got to watch 1917 because it's really good it does it this particular thing very well but dunkirk like almost does that almost but they like fall short on making me care you know what i mean like maybe if i was british it would feel more like patriotic and inspiring and like a real showman like a, a real testament of like courage you know in the face of almost certain defeat but it's like it didn't even really show me courage it just showed me a bunch of dudes getting murdered and then running away and i didn't care about which dudes were getting murdered and i didn't care about which dudes were running away because i didn't like come away with any particular thing and it was like it felt like solely a vehicle of showing off cool like aerial and like you know beachfront combat and like sound design so it felt like he was just trying to do very technical things and use this movie as a vehicle to do that and it's the same thing here with tenet where he created a plot that would allow him to do really cool things with the camera and i'm like yeah, it just seems like Go back to fucking, like, college and, like, go do some shorts. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Go broke again. Start, let's start, like, a YouTube series, you know? Like, create a TV show like Mythbusters, but just do camera work stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Just, like, mm -hmm. you don't have to make $200 million movies that are very average. Yeah, or at least, like, reevaluate why you're doing $200 million movies. Like, right. I don't know. Some creative inspiration would be uh, great. Uh, you know, I will say, I think this would have been a really cool anime. <laughs> like, I don't know why I got that feeling, but I think it would have been. Um, yeah. Uh, any other last More and more. Oh, yeah, I guess more and more, I think. I think movies like this will function better as, like, either a miniseries or just, like, a standalone one-season show than they do as movies because right. few movies really capture like character nuance in an interesting way or yeah. again have time to like flesh out dialogue like this movie was long i was gonna say it's and crazy it that you're saying that about a two and a half hour yeah. movie but you're right and it didn't need to be this long and yet somehow it still failed on the things that length of a movie strengthens and yeah, it's just totally right. yeah it's just like you know maybe if you actually just gave him more time he wouldn't have to worry about trying to fit in all these things because clearly i think he got hung up on correcting little plot things and like showing people so there was like no confusion i'm like 
You didn't have to do that though. But yeah, I'm 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 just I'm ranting now. So yeah, uh, I'd say this is better than the album in terms of a scale from one to ten. Barely. So maybe a six, six and a half. That's yeah, that's six half seven. Just because like as many problems as I have with the movie, none of them are offensive. It's just there yeah. these problems are accentuated because Christopher Nolan is Christopher Nolan, and if we lived in a world without Christopher Nolan. I wouldn't care, but we do, yeah. so... Yeah. yeah, Six Half is fine for this, but it wasn't offensive, you're correct. The J. Cole album was offensive to me. Oh, okay, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> there were I, many I lines them, that were offensive. I could give both these things Six and a Half, just move on with my life, not even think about them again. Um, I, I will say one last tidbit that I read when Tenet was first coming out. Uh, I just mm-hmm. want to... It's a little cool, today I learned kind of thing. So the 737 that they crashed you know, into the art mm-hmm. warehouse mm-hmm. or whatever, it was cheaper to buy an actual 737 and crash it than it was to CGI realistically remake all those scenes. Really? So like, that's an actual 737 crashing into a wall. Yeah. How much is a seven, <laughs> 737 cost $90 million. Half the budget was crashing a plane into a wall for a scene that arguably didn't even have to be there. It could have been an old 737. <laughs> I'm just saying, it says the average price is just uh, under $90 million. Well, uh, yeah, apparently that's cheaper than CGI for, what, six months on one scene. That's All crazy. All right, so 6.5 out of 10. The album is going to be Beyonce's Lemonade, and the movie will be The Favorite. We will see you next week on episode 31 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we will see you next time. We're out of here.